0: All right, if I can get your attention again quickly. I get to who of you as this series or just the concept of taking worship to work, to has it made a practical difference? Like something changed in the way that you approached life. Anyone? There's a couple of half hands around here. Just put a pen if you felt that it's made a difference. In how you approach work and life and so on okay so i think that's the heart behind what we're sharing we we're sharing a lot of um concepts and information and some paradigm shifts but the actual heart is to practically make a difference practically make a change and so um as a, as we've been talking about we're talking about church beyond the building and it's interesting if you look at the book of acts um the church mostly most of what you see in the book of acts is not within the building it's outside the building that everything happens it starts in acts chapter one and two where the holy spirit comes in the upper room so that's inner room but then then the three thousand come to salvation then everything happens out there in the world right in the marketplace in 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 the spaces where people live um that's where the kingdom happens i think that's the heart of this um the series, and in, in fact, in, only in Acts chapter 12. So for 12 chapters, everything happens out there, and only in chapter 12 um, do um, the disciple or the, the apostles report back to Jerusalem. And then in chapter 15, um, that's the first time that they gather inside the temple um, to discuss. Everything else happened outside. Now, I'm not saying uh, you, you can also see that every time that they gathered that gathering was so important um but the kingdom happened out there and I think that's that's the point so um was laying a foundation two weeks ago where he was um sharing about um things like primary versus secondary calling I think what I can take away from that message was Jesus cares deeply about your work to quote Yuan, right I think that's the to me the bottom line of what Yuan was sharing Last week, Kenny was talking about building a platform um, in your workplace um, and the the crucial, important and like he said, the topic we don't often discuss, um, but integrity, living a life of integrity um, and living the kingdom. And I think both Johan and Kenny uh, debunked dualism. So dualism in essence is to separate um, our lives into compartments. Um, This is my church life. This is my social life. This is my work life Um, and to have superficial disconnects between the three to God. It's your life and 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 he's in every aspect. He wants to be in every aspect of your life Um, and you know that's that's part of what we're talking about. So this morning I want to talk about community and calling then the next step. So so Jesus calls us firstly unto salvation he steps into your life he calls you to salvation then secondly there's a continuous calling he calls you for a purpose and then thirdly there's an ultimate calling and that calling is into eternity into heaven into eternity with Jesus so this there's three callings if you want it's one calling but it's three um, that Jesus has on your life now the paradigm shift again I like to give the bottom line up front The bottom line up front is that god calls us but he doesn't call us in isolation of each other he calls us together for a bigger purpose and and he's chosen to do it that way um there's a there's a there's a scripture even in old covenant times we see um, that abram was called and chosen but he was chosen for a bigger purpose so that he would go and he would be a blessing to the nations right and so so calling is is never devoid of people right so you cannot ever say in your life listen God has called me to this and in the process you use relationships around you to get to the calling that God wants you to have right God would never call you to use people to get to where he wants you right the means never justifies the end does it make sense relationship is the end goal okay relationship is the only thing that you and I we're gonna take into heaven the relationships that we have built on this earth think about it you're not gonna take any earthly success you're not gonna take a CV you're not gonna take um, anything material into this next life the only thing that you're gonna take into the next life is relationships relationships that you've built so god would not call you to destroy relationships in the process of getting to where he wants you do you get the point right god has called us to be together and to work together into what he has called us to be so i want to read a excerpt from a um a devotional at, um, this specific um well the devotions you know, it's called connecting the testaments Um, And this particular portion is the discomfort of Scripture. And I, I, I quite like this quote, and that's why I'm reading it this morning. I think it's quite appropriate as well. Most of the Western world operates in a spirit of individualism. Christianity does not. Though we often attempt to adapt it and make it more comfortable, it is much easier to think about God's role in my life than to reflect on my role in God's plan to help others and to share the gospel. We attempt to shape our faith to fit our needs. We're bound to run into scripture that makes us squirm. Sorry. When we, are, we, when we attempt to shape our faith to fit our needs, we are bound to run into scripture that makes us squirm. Some people perform interpretive backflips to wriggle out of passages such as Acts chapter 2 verse 42. I like that phrase. Interpretive backflips. Verse 44 says... And all who believed were in the same place and had everything in common. So this makes us really uncomfortable, the scripture. And it goes on, it says, A fear of socialism serves as a convenient excuse to sidestep this verse. But it doesn't speak to socialism. It speaks to voluntarily joining a movement of people who care more about the betterment of the group than they do about their individual gains. The truth is that God's word should make us uncomfortable because we are the ones who need to conform. None of us want to accept Acts chapter 2 verse 44 unless the spirit has worked within us. Acting out faith um, means we must be willing to donate what we have to help others. Time, material goods, money, whatever God calls us to give. Self-sacrifice is not easy for anyone But it becomes easier when the Spirit prompts our hearts to see the needs of others as more important than our own ones. Most people in the Western world choose the sin of selfishness over selfless service to others. Do we need to buy a a coffee every morning or could we make a cup at home? Do Do we need to live in a larger house or could we downsize? Nearly all of us can find ways to give more by living with less. And we might find the motive we need when the spirit speaks to us through the discomfort of scripture now i love i love what what um, this devotional says it says that there is a continuous discomfort that you and i are going to have until jesus comes because jesus is perfect we are not um scripture says work out your salvation with fear and trembling so we're going to continue to have this sort of a relationship with scripture we're going to read something and it's perhaps not going to line up with our lives, and it's going to be challenging, all right? And, and, and God, and that's why the Holy Spirit is the comforter, right? He helps us um, when, we, when we engage with things that are difficult. And I, then, then I love what, what he says here. Is he says, um, it's, when we read these passages, it's really, really tough, really challenging, until the Holy Spirit has worked something in our hearts. Then it's worship. Do you see that shift? Then it's a decision. It's a voluntarily, voluntary thing that happens. Again, in Acts chapter 2, verse 44, no one was forced to do what they did in laying down everything at the apostles' feet. The Holy Spirit worked in them, and they wanted to. They voluntarily gave um, that thing. And so obviously if we say that's what you need to do, it's legalism. Because then the Holy Spirit has not, worked it in us but that which the holy spirit does um work in us but there's that tension between scripture now we're talking about community and calling and the fact that they actually inseparable um i want to redefine community and, and particularly when it comes to diversity did you re- did you realize that the kingdom is a diverse place God's church is supposed to be a diverse group of people. Do you, have you noticed the themes in scriptures? always very diverse. There's diversities of giftings, right? There's diversities of callings. Um, there's a lot of diversity. God is the author of diversity, right? He made us with different personalities. Um, each of the, 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 um, the trinity has some sort of a diversity that 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 the the trinity brings to us so the gifts of the father we relate different we've got different gifts then there's the gifts of the holy spirit spiritual gifts there again we're different um and the gifts of jesus the the fivefold ministries so god is a god of diversity but then there's unity in diversity and so I think sometimes our concept, and that's why I'm saying I'm redefining the word community, because sometimes we think of community, we think of people that are like me, right? And that's community. That's the world's definition of community. If I can find 10 people that are like me, that think like me, that do things like I do, um, that have the same interest than I have, I've got my community. You know, I've got my little, little subculture. Isn't that Cape Town, right? We find people that are the same. We've got a little subculture, and that's our community. Now, the kingdom community is different. God's definition of community is diversity, right? Diversity of giftings, diversity of callings, diversity of cultures, right? And we've got two um, beautiful examples in nature that show us how powerful diversity is. Of course, we see this in scripture, but just to step away a bit and to look at nature. So when scientists assess the health of an ecosystem, um, they measure its biodiversity. And it's basically a a means of gauging the quality and the quantity of different organisms that exist within an ecosystem. What scientists find is the biodiversity within a system, sorry, what scientists find is the, the more biodiverse uh, a system is the healthier the system is and the more sustainable the system is so if you find any habitat or ecosystem um and 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 there's not a lot of diversity it's not very sustainable whereas if there's a lot of diversity it's more healthy and more sustainable that's one example in nature another example is um genetic diversity right so we we know obviously that um the lack of gen- genetic diversity results in genetic mutation, often resulting in physical, social, and mental impairment. Um, often resulting, um, yeah, physical, social, mental impairment. But where there is um, genetic diversity, again, we see health, right? Now, that to me, those are two real powerful pictures of what the cult, what the kingdom, what the church could be like. Right, The more diversity is celebrated, the more the fingerprint of God is celebrated amongst us, the healthier, the more sustainable God's church um, will be. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2, verse 40, and I want you to see the fruit of that community. So they left calling, but I want you to see the fruit of that calling. Verse 40, and with many other words he testified, this is Peter, and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and the day about three thousand souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together. And had all things in common, and sold their possession and goods, and divided them among all, as everyone had need. So, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who are being saved. Again, continuing daily with one accord. So there was oneness of heart in that diversity and breaking bread from house to house. There was community. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of God, praising God and having favor with not just God, but with all the people. Now, I want us to see something and, and I want us to look at the, those disciples. And I want you to consider the... Um, the dynamic we see in Scripture called multiplication. Did you know that God works through multiplication? Um, so, Jesus, um, we know the story with the 5,000. He sits them down. There's only a little bit of food, a couple of fish, and a couple of pieces of bread. And he just, His disciples bring Him what they could find. But there are thousands of people, 5,000 people. He takes it and He multiplies it. until there's more left um, than there was initially you know that's the dynamic and yes in that context it was a physical something a physical need um, but yet I believe it's a principle that God chooses to operate in the kingdom he works on the basis of multiplication so now here we have 12 disciples and then 144 people in the upper room right so God put them together and he walked the road of three years with these disciples. He, they went through real tough times. They went through real difficult times. In fact, um, right at the end, they were almost broken. They were, in fact, broken people. If you look at Peter, he was totally broken and then Jesus had to restore him. He had to live with the fact that he had, he had um, denied Jesus, the King of Kings, the one that he was um, so privileged to have known personally he denied him he walked away in in his most needy time now I hope we can see that but it was severe brokenness that he had to deal with and so was the case for all the disciples but but I believe that God had sent him to the upper room of course Jesus came back um, after he was raised from there came into restored but I want you to see what happened the dynamic of the group he restored them and then he sent them to the upper room and I believe something very significant happened in that upper room where where God did a restoration and they had to wait right so there was a there was a dynamic between the people um there was perhaps restore, restoration of relationships that happened in that upper room but God can only multiply in our lives what is there He cannot multiply something that's not there. Right? So so let's look at some of the fruit again. We saw a lot of the fruit that came out from that time in the upper room. One of the fruit was, you know, miracles and signs and wonders. So that was something that was in the group. Right? They um, had signs and wonders. Then God could multiply. Another thing is then fear came upon every soul. I I hope we can... Get on the same page here. But fear came upon every soul. In other words, God had multiplied something that was in between the people and was multiplied. So so not only did God multiply them in terms of numbers. All right. Yes, 3,000 were added to them. That's one way of the way in which God multiplied. But what they had, they had something special in that group. And God chose to multiply that into the world. Does it make sense? So if, let's, let's, let's take this example. If there was profanity in that group, God couldn't multiply it so that the people would fear. Does it make sense? There was a healthy fear of God and a healthy respect of one another. And God could multiply that into the world so that it says that the people feared God when they saw what this group of people did does it make sense right there's, God does something amongst the group of people he works intensively in people's hearts so that there's something precious that he has done in fallible man that he can then multiply so that the world can be blessed right and so we want to do that right we want to say god come and do in us in my heart but in us as a community do something in us that is worthy to be multiplied we need god we need to give him something so that he could multiply it like the little boy had to bring the bread and the fish once jesus has got it he can do something with it but if we don't give him something he cannot multiply it right and so what I believe God wants to do in us, what, what, what I believe He wants us to give to Him is a godly respect. Um, and the bottom line is this, that we allow God to work something in us that we respect one another and the calling on another person's life. And we cultivate that. So that's, that's where we're ending off. We're getting practical here this morning but i want us to go deep uh, wider in terms of respect i'm going to come back to this um, and and why we're delving into this in a moment um, but i want to talk about respect because clearly um, there was something that the disciples early disciples had a fear of god um, that was that god multiplied so what is respect in fact let's take the opposite what is the opposite of respect there's four things that um, per definition of respect is the opposite so four words we see scripturally the one is contempt the second one is disrespect the third one is despise to despise and the fourth one is scorn so we want to grow in community we want to grow in calling and 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 through that one of the keys it's not the only key but I believe one of the keys is a godly respect. So, contempt is the following the feeling that a person or a thing um, is worthless or beneath consideration. I'm going to say it again. Contempt, again, the opposite of respect, is the feeling that a person or a thing is worthless or beneath consideration. Proverbs 18, verse 3 says the following. About contempt, when wickedness comes, contempt comes also, and with dishonor comes disgrace. Romans chapter two, verse four says, "Or do you show contempt for the riches of His kindness, forbearance, and patience? Not really realizing that God's kindness in, is intended to lead you for um, lead you to repentance." Proverbs seventeen verse five: Whoever mocks the poor shows contempt. For their maker, whoever gloats over disaster will not go unpunished. So these are just a couple of scriptures um, that talks about disrespect or, or contempt specifically, um, and the result of that. With contempt comes disgrace, and it says um, when wickedness come, comes, contempt comes. So contempt is a fruit of wickedness, right? Whereas The kingdom dynamic is godly respect okay so um, that's the first one the second one is disrespect that um, is quite obvious proverbs 19 verse 21 says in their ungodly disrespect for god they bring destruction on their lives their own lives exodus chapter 22 never show disrespect for god or curse the leader of your people proverbs 30 verse 17 um, to 19 I'm just going to read 17. The eye that makes fun of a father, hates to obey a mother, will be plucked out by ravens in the valley and eaten by young vultures. That's a quite intense one. Again, a scripture that makes us uncomfortable. <laughs> a lot of these scriptures do. All right. So that's the second one. I'm, I'm running through a lot of scriptures, but I want us to, to get to the point. So the, the third one is to despise. The, despise means an intense disgust. So you can obviously see why that's the the opposite of of, of respect. Despising God, firstly. 2 Samuel 12, verse 9. Why did you despise the word of the Lord by by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah the Hittite with the sword and took his wife to be your own. You killed him with the sword um, of the Ammonites. Now therefore the sword will never depart from your house because you despised me. And took the wife of Uriah and he the Yita to be your own. So this is obviously the story of David. Um, here's the bottom line. So many times and we will continue with the scriptures in a second, but not so many times. Most of our human interaction, interhuman interaction, is actually a reflection of what we think of God. Did you know that? Most of our interaction between one another, God sees as a reflection of our respect towards him so let me give you a, a very clear example of this Jesus uh, some disciples come to Jesus and, they, and Jesus says to them well done you have you fed me when I was hungry you clothed me when I had no clothes you took care of me then the people respond. They say, "But when did we do it to you, Jesus? When did we feed you? We, we don't know it." And Jesus says to them, "When you did it to the least of these, you took care of me." You see that, right? That's an example of Jesus looking at our interhuman interactions, and it's he's, it's a reflection on our relationship with Him. I'm going to give you more examples. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 20, do not despise prophecies. So that's despising God's voice. 1 Timothy 4 verse 12, let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, conduct, in love, spirit, in faith, in purity. Job 17 verse 16, I despise my life. Proverbs 14 verse 21, it is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. The fourth and last um, opposite of respect is scorn. Proverbs 3 verse 34 says, With those who scorn, he is scornful. But to those who are humble, he gives favor. Psalm 119 verse 22 says, Remove scorn and disrespect from me, for I observe your decrees. I want to go back to the example of David. God says to him, Why did you despise the word of the Lord by doing what is evil in his eyes? You struck down Uriah, you did all these things, and then it says, you despised me. This is God speaking. He says, David, you you acted towards your brother in a very disrespectful way. You know, that's quite extreme. He slept with his wife, and then he killed him. But God says through the prophet to David, he says, listen, I've got a problem because you didn't do it against your brother, you did it against me. You despised me. So yes, he did it against his brother, but God took it really personal. Um, And and there we see something of what respect means. In, In fact, we can take this further. We can take it all the way to the sanctity of human life. Why don't we kill someone? because we respect God we recognize that God has created that person and therefore we cannot because he carries the image of God so in essence human life has value because of Godly respect that's why the Christian worldview demands the sanctity of life and therefore other worldviews several other worldviews do not there's no basis for the value of human life does that make sense all right so that's obviously at a base level right but we can take it all the way towards our relationships that we have there's a certain um, honor that we um, give to god when we look at one another and we celebrate one another and the gifts and the calling the diversity that is on someone else's life, that is a sense of worship. Does that make sense? When I look at my brother and I say, this is what God has done in your life, the Bible says it this way, esteem one another higher than yourself. In other words, it's saying, look at this person, celebrate what God has put in them, respect them um, higher than your own calling, higher than what you have put in your heart what you have in your heart, um, celebrate what God has, has, has done in that person. So here in Psalm 119, it says, remove scorn and disrespect from me. So it's a prayer. We say, God, if there is perhaps something in my heart that hinders me from looking at a brother, sister, a spouse, um, someone in church even, perhaps that I don't know that well, but there's something in my heart that puts a distance between me and that person, remove scorn and disrespect from me. Disrespect disrespect will cause you to end up alone and eternally unsuccessful. Now, I didn't say um, unsuccessful. I said eternally unsuccessful. other words you could be really successful but you're successful alone you don't make part of God's picture Um, this respect will cause you to miss your piece in the puzzle where godly respect makes you part of God's together plan so I, I, I titled this morning's message God's forever people is a book that I've read about um, the Jesus People Movement. Who's heard of the Jesus People Movement? If you haven't, do yourself a favor and go and study the Jesus People Movement. They were the hippies in the 1960s. Um, there was a whole group of people that got saved. Um, you know, And it's amazing because um, the hippie movement, there was a, a real community um, amongst the hippie people Um, I mean, they all lived together, but it was obviously completely ungodly, completely wrong. But when God stepped into those communities, he flipped things upside down. Um, The kingdom dynamic came into those communities, and they literally at least flipped America around, right? Um, There's a lot of, um, you know, beyond that, um, there was a massive effect. Even our style of worship today comes from the Jesus people movement because the the hippie bands got saved and they said but we don't want to worship God with boring old hymns we want to worship God as we do as hippies right and obviously God sanctified what they had Um, but it's amazing God took those communities and he transformed them and they became God's um, forever people so I stole the title for this morning um god's forever people isn't that a beautiful picture you know eternity john Bavier writes a book and he says um uh what's what's his book uh, eternity driven by eternity now we live in a little fraction of time right eternity is extremely long now my question to you is how much do you think of eternity right now if you think of if you think of eternity i want you to actually go and practically do this look at your life back from eternity think of what what would you have wanted your life to look like back on earth and and the kingdom answer to that question is community relationships and calling in other words we pursued calling together that is the bottom line if you going to be in heaven one day. You're going to ask this one question. Did I pursue calling together with my brothers and sisters? God's forever people. Will you stand with me this morning? Father, we thank you for the fact that, Lord, you are not confused. God, we thank you that you love us so much. God, thank you, Father, for your purposes. And thank you, Father, that you teach us relationship, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you teach us. To, to grow into learning how it means, what it means to relate, to firstly have relationship with you, but also to have relationships with one another. Teach us, Lord, what it means. God, your word is, is amazing, but it's challenging. God, in this morning we celebrate The challenging part of of your word. The fact that it makes us uncomfortable, God. God, your word challenges our culture. God, your word challenges the culture of Cape Town. But this morning we choose to tremble at your word instead of fearing our culture. Fearing the people out there. Father, this morning we choose to tremble at your word. We choose to embrace your word, not for the benefits of your word, but because you say so. Because it's your word. Because by embracing your word, we are worshipping you. Even though it's uncomfortable, we say, God, we'd rather be uncomfortable and closer to you. Than be comfortable but away from you. So we choose to embrace your word. And we ask God that this morning in this particular place. This one area that you would come and remove scorn and disrespect. Like the psalmist prayed. I pray that you would remove that from our hearts. And instead give us a godly respect God. And even a hunger God to look at one another. And to see what you see. To see the calling. That you have on another person's life. I want to ask before we close off this morning. If you want to pray that prayer. You want to say God give me. A greater respect. For you Jesus. Reflected in. The way that I interact with people around me. While every eye is closed. If that's you. Why don't you just raise your hands to heaven. Say Jesus come and work in me. Come and change me Lord remove scorn and disrespect in my heart and give me a godly respect to see not just what I want to see but what is the reality your plan your purpose that goes beyond my world but extends into your world thank you Lord that I can be part of your story Thank you, Father, for your story, history, your story. That one day from eternity back, we can reflect and we can say, God, I was part of your story. I wasn't just successful, but I was part of something bigger. And God, this morning we pray that you would do something in us that is precious. Thank you that you've already done it, Lord you've already done so much but this morning we say more Lord give us more of your kingdom reality give us more of your presence in this place solve our eyes that we would see more and come into our hearts and open our hearts even more towards one another let us see God let us us get really hungry to see what you have done and placed in the person next to me and on the other side, and help us to respect you by respecting one another. Thank you, Lord. That heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will remain. And God, this morning we say your word will remain in us. Your word will remain in us. In Jesus' name. Can we just ask the band to just lead us in another song? Again, this this whole series, we said it's a series of worship, because that's what it is.